Welcome to New Life Miami, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nlmiami.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. Where we left off last week, if you weren't here last week, or if you weren't here the week before that, we've gone, and even before that, before that, before that, but it's hard just to continue to go back. Uh, the great thing is that everything's recorded, and uh, we praise God for, for that kind of technology. Amen? Because what it does is it allows us to go back and really see what God is speaking over this house and speaking over our family. And, and praise God for that, especially for someone like me who tends to forget a lot of things. Anyone who tends to forget a lot of things in this house? Yeah. So praise God that, that we have podcasts and, and we have our app to our church that could, um, that could help you remember things that maybe you have forgotten. So with that, um, last week we went into... Um, a harvest of a spiritual awakening, and we went into part one, and uh, it, it wasn't really supposed to be a part two or not, but I told you that we had about 10 pages of notes, so that was going to be really hard to do on one Sunday. So we're going to continue um, with that this week, but, but God is definitely just speaking something over us, and uh, if you haven't been here, God is, is really calling what is called a harvest, and, 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 and for what specifically? For what we're calling an awakening, but a spiritual awakening. And, and where God is making people's, uh, uh, the spirit within the people just to become alive again. And we said some, some, some important things last um, Sunday. We spoke about dormancy and, and, and sleepiness and, and where he will make things to wake up again or dead things to become alive again in his presence. Amen? Because this is the thing. Some of us are here today, but are some of, are, some of us are here today, but really, are all of you really here today? And, and that, that's where God is taking us, that when we are all here to get to, together, we are all here together. And that's what we believe as a house, that's where God is taking us, that A, we came and we're all awake. A, we came and we're all aware. A, we came and we're all... Good. Amando said that is good. No, I'm being serious. And we're all responding. And we're all responding. We're awake, we're aware, and we're responding. And, um, and um, I'm just excited for what God is speaking. We spoke last week about the harvest, and it means the process or the period of gathering in crops. We're, we're talking about a harvest of gathering. And if you're noticing here, um, there's not many farmers in this church. Look around. There's not many. Some of us might look like a farmer because it's whatever. There's not many farmers in the house. But yet we're talking about harvesting. We're talking about harvesting, and that's what we're going to continue to flow with. And what we're talking about is everyone say harvest. Gathering, hosting. That's what we're talking about as we speak about harvest and gathering. We're talking about hosting in something, hosting a presence. Um, for many of you that we've had dialogues with, we've talked about the spiritual realm. We're not scared to be a people that talk about the spiritual realm. So we're, we might just go on a tangent and start talking about heaven and hell, other dimensions. No, okay, but, but you know, we might just go on a tangent and start talking about angelic beings and demonic beings there's nothing of fear in talking about sin and rep I love that mother came up here and started talking about repentance that's good we need to constantly be reminded of these things and we need to constantly live in that so so when we talk about this gathering it is is a hosting 
of a spiritual thing. It's a hosting of, of a supernatural, and it's the hosting, it's the gathering of his presence. And I said something last week that, that it will eventually become a seasonal, uh, what, what, became, what becomes a seasonal celebration will become a lifestyle of celebration within us. Because that's what the harvest does. When the harvest ends, what it does after that is now it's time to celebrate because now we have the crops to make money off. So when we harvest in the presence of God, now we could celebrate because now we have the joy that we've been longing for. So now our life could not be a roller coaster ride that one day we're up and one day we're down. We're always up in the presence of God, facing trials and tribulations and struggles, but we're always on a place where we're high and lifted up with Jesus. Why is that? Because you've learned to live a life that is hosting the presence of God. What in the world are you talking about? That you live in God's presence, not just on Sunday mornings, but Monday afternoon, it's more powerful than what happens here on Sunday morning. That what happens on Tuesday evening is more powerful than what happens here on Wednesday nights. What happens on Thursday at 3 o'clock in the morning when God wakes you up with a crazy dream is more important. You guys are getting it? So that everything about you now is awakening to a spiritual state. And that's the harvest that we are discussing. And today I'm going to jump into Leviticus 26 as I'm praying that our spiritual man is awakening. And I'm praying that we're understanding the concept of one thing. Everyone say one thing. Yeah, everyone say only thing. Because the Bible teaches us that the one thing, which is, the, is actually the only thing that matters. One pastor told me last week in a breakfast with him, he said, listen, in the church, this is what we focus on. We focus on things that matter, things that matter more, and things that matter most. And I want to get to a place where, yeah, we spend some time on the things that matter and the things that matter, matter more. But I want to live together with you in the things that matter most. From glory to glory. I figure we get some more amens on that one. That's what I'm talking about. So, so um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. We ma- the things that matter the most. From glory to glory. All that stuff should ma- start making sense to you if you've been here. If not, you have three weeks of homeworks to go back and listen to three weeks of podcast. You have to do it. There's no way you could jump into today and say, I have no idea what he's... Because you might not understand today if you weren't listening to the last two weeks at least. It's from glory to glory. And the church says from glory to glory. From glory to glory. Like seven of you got it. From glory to glory. You hear in the background? From glory to glory. From glory to glory. There you go. Give yourselves a hand. Praise God. All right, I'm going to ask you to repeat one more thing. I don't want to drive you crazy today, but I am um, by trade, right? My, My degree is in education. So they taught me repeat, always repeat, because that's how your kids are going to learn. Repeat. So forgive me for repeating. Um, but I want you to learn. Everyone say shift in the anointing. Shift in the atmosphere. Shift in our attitude. But, but how many of you remember there's a shift in our altitude? Shift in our altitude. And that's kind of where we left off last week. We talked about a shift in our altitude. And we stopped there. And, and also embracing that lifestyle of, of a place that we're lifted up. And, and we're going to find out that lifted up actually means bowing down. And, 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 and if you could turn with me to Leviticus chapter 26, um, there, there's, there's something special that is going on in this chapter as the Lord is speaking to Israel, to the Israelites. I want to uh, be very clear uh, to you that I know that, that God was speaking to the Israelites in this passage. I am not for once not saying he's not. I definitely get that and I understand that. But as I read it, 
I see how it definitely also makes sense in our lives. And it definitely could be applied to our very own lives. I'm telling you that, that just because he spoke something to someone in the Old Testament, it doesn't mean that it can't be relative and applied in my life today, in 2017. Okay? And, and Leviticus 26, what I want to do is I want to focus on the first 13 verses. The reason why is because the first 13 verses are totally different than the rest of the chapter. In Leviticus 26, it's intended to be a word, a word of warning, a word of warning. And not only a word of warning, but it's also a word of hope from God um, to the Israelites. And it was during a time where they were wandering. And, and we all know the story of the Israelites and where they were wandering in for 40 years in the wilderness. But, but in the midst of their wandering, the Lord needed to speak a word to them of, of warning and hope. Praise God that we serve a God that warns us and gives hope. Because it's very easy just to serve a God that gives hope and to preach a message of just hope. But there's also a God that says, warning. Amen? Amen? So this is what I'm praying. I pray that the Lord today is, is going, just like, just like the children of Israel, like the Israelites, I pray that the Lord, and my prayer going into today is that he's going to speak an intended word, an intended word, an in, another word, intentional word to anyone who finds themselves wandering. Because when he spoke this to the Israelites, the Israelites were wandering. Wandering is a lost place. You get that, right? Wandering is, is, is saying homelessness. Everyone say homelessness. Yeah. Wandering is where's home because I'm homeless. And we know that the children of Israel were homeless. They leave Egypt. They leave their homes, which weren't even supposed to be their, their homes. They were supposed to be there for a little while. But they stayed there for hundreds of years. And then they were supposed to get just 11 days. 11 days they were supposed to get to the promised land. But it took them 40 years and that generation didn't even make it. So they, 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 got, they got accustomed and lukewarm to living a life of homelessness. I believe that God did not call any of us in this place to live a lukewarm life of homelessness. What I'm saying is every single one of us is called to find home. Okay? And I'm definitely not talking about your physical house. But we're all called to a place. And I'm praying that the Lord would speak that intentionally to us. That we, listen to this, that we'd all go from wandering in a lost place into a place of wonder in a found place. I, I don't want to be wandering no more, but I want to be in awestruck wonder that I am found in the presence of God. Did that make sense to anyone? Thank you, brother. Um, I, I, I really hope it does because if there's someone lost, I have a hope to tell you that there's a place called found. There's a place, if there's someone homeless, there's a place called home. If there's someone wandering, there's a place called wonder. And we're, we're just going to read these first 13 verses that deal solely on the blessing and on the hope part. And, and then the next part of the passage, it deals more with Israel's consequence, consequences, actually. But this passage is so valid. It is so important to us today, the church. Even though we, we may not be Israelites in here today, or we might not be under the law here today, 
it is still significant to each one of us. There's a great deal of instruction in this passage for anyone who leads in life. And I always tell people, if you're a Christian, automatically you're called to leadership. How do I know that? Because Peter says that you now are what? A royal priesthood. You're automatic leadership now. So when you look at this, we're in constant leadership. What does that mean? That there's people that are looking at your lives that you don't even know that you're leading them with your life. You've never spoken a word to them. You've never planned a meeting with them. And you've never given a Bible study to them. But they're looking at every word that you say and every act that you act out because they want to see whether the Jesus that you say you live for is actually real in your life or not. So what does that mean for every single person that says they're a Christian? You are all leading somebody. You all have influence in someone's life. Amen? Sorry to break that and sorry, but I have to make sure you understand that. Just because you have a platform, just because you don't have a platform to preach through a microphone does not mean some of you are greater leaders than I am because you have more influence in your spaces and all I might have is this influence in this space. So you might be looked at by so many more. I look at Joe, for example, who's a barber. You probably get so many more clients than I have so many more church members. Yes or no? You have more influence than me, brother. Okay. That's what I'm saying. Think about the realm that God put you in. You have an influence. Everyone says amen. So, so, so we're going to get into this hopefully today. And in this passage, it contains also words of warning like I've told you. Some of the greatest words of hope are in this scripture, but also some of the greatest of warning. And this text, actually, when we leave here today, it should encourage us and it should motivate us to, I I, want to say one word, and and a brother of ours said it last Sunday to us, it should motivate us to obedience. Because I believe that every single one of us is called to obedience. If we're in Christ, we're in obedience. So I want to get something out of this. I want to get something from this, and I want to apply it to us in in this move or in this this lifestyle in, in which we're calling a harvest of spiritual awakening. You guys ready? I hope that was a yes. <laughs> it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. How many of you are excited for Christmas? Good, not all of you. We share a similar burden. <clears throat> Leviticus 26. Jesus wasn't even born in December. Leviticus 26, verse 1. Verse 1, ready? It says this. It says, do not make idols or set up carved images or sacred pillars or sculpted or sculptured stones in your land so that you may worship them. Listen to the Lord here, that I am the Lord your God. Verse 2, you may keep my Sabbath days of rest. Remember the days of rest? Remember all that? We went into that for like two weeks. And show reverence for my sanctuary. Look what he says. I am the Lord. Verse 3. If you follow my decrees and, and are carefully to obey my commands. I, I'm, I'm going to stop there. I know it's a very odd place to stop. But I love odd things. So, so I'm going to stop in the middle of, okay, so what's he going to do next? Don't make idols. Keep it holy. Follow my words and all my commands. And, and we stop here for a moment instead of jumping into verse 4. Because... What we're going to see here is that there's going to be a description here of blessing that God is about to pour out. But the Israelites have to do their part. Everyone say, I have to do my part. It's long. It's a long phrase. But the Israelites have to do their part just like every single one of us has to do our part. And what is the part that the Israelites is to do? Keep my covenant. Keep it. 
and I will be faithful. Basically what the Lord is saying is this, I will be faithful in, in all that I'm about to tell you, but in return, you are to be faithful to me as well. I, I love that the Lord says, I'm faithful. How many of you could say amen to that? But in saying and declaring that I'm faithful, he's also commanding you to what? To be faithful. I'm faithful. Be faithful. You getting that? And that's what the Lord is saying. I'm faithful. And the, and the, and the Israelites roar and amen. I'm faithful. Amen. Be faithful. Uh-oh. I'm faithful, so be faithful. I'm faithful, so be faithful. How many of you say that when you are in Christ, you take on the characteristics of Christ? When you are in God, you take on the nature of God. Is that a biblical statement to ask? How many of you are in God and you take on the nature of God? I'm faithful. Take on my nature. If I, if I demonstrate faithfulness, I require faithfulness from you. Okay? So you're no longer, back to verse 1 and 2. There's a lot of teaching going into this stuff. But you're no longer at a place of idol worship. Another word for that is called idolatry. You might not bow down to a ceramic idol. But that does not mean that you're not capable of falling into idolatry. Understand that. Some of us do a really good job idolizing our children before God. That's the, that's the image of idolatry. Some of us are idols to money. Money's our idol. That made more sense. Some of us to our careers. So, so be very careful when I talk about idolatry that you're saying, Phew, thank God I don't deal with that part of that passage. No, we might all struggle with idolatry in our lives. Things that we put before God. So he's basically telling them, you're no longer at that place of idolatry. How many of you in Christ could say, amen, I'm no longer at that place of idolatry. If you're going to idolize anyone or anything, it is solely Jesus Christ your Lord. So there's no more, he says, carved images. There's no more sacred pillars. And there's no more sculptured stones, Israelites. But what's funny about, well, not funny. What's sad about this is that they go back to it. L listen, I'm sorry to do this, but... Moses goes up to a mountain, and when he comes back to the mountain, they've made, they collected jewelry from everyone and metals, and they created a golden cow. And Moses is like, are you serious? I was gone for days. I come to speak the Lord's word to you, and you make yourself a what? An idol. Are you, you guys get that? So, so we see that they left, even though we're talking to the Israelites, they, that is called apostasy if you're taking notes. Apostasy is a great sin. It's turning away after knowing the truth. It's turning away from the truth. And they go back to their idolatry. But he's telling them now that you're not supposed to go back to that. You're at a place of rest, of reverence for my presence. You heard at 930 and you heard during worship the word reverence being used. You're in reverence for my presence and my word. Which you will be careful now to obey. Everyone say obedience. Meaning, not just, <clears throat> not just by reciting or memorizing or preaching, but living it. Living it. I could be, a, someone could be a great preacher, but they're doing horrible in their walk with the Lord, in their devotion with the Lord. Because, because they might do good in their gifting, but they're doing bad in their intimacy. So they're very well versed and... And they might have a lot of knowledge, but, but, but yet they might be empty of a lot of presence and a lot of brokenness and a lot of heart melting like wax kind of stuff. Amen? 
So, so he's calling them here, like, be very careful that you don't recite or memorize or just preach it, but also what? Live it with your life. It's as, it's as if, if he's saying this, you're awake now, you're awake now, you're aware now, and you're also called to what? Obedience. Respond. Obedience. You're awake, you're aware, and what? Live in obedience. Respond in obedience. It's a different lifestyle if you're taking notes that God is calling the Israelites to in Leviticus 26 and what I believe he's calling us to here in December 2017. And it's this. It's a different lifestyle. I said this a week, two weeks ago and a week ago. It's not a season. It's a lifestyle and it's a harvest. No longer will we say, I am in a season. But for now, I will say, I am entering into a lifestyle. Yeah? All right, help me out here. Verse 4 and verse 5, it says, I will send you the seasonal rains. Look what he's telling. Let's go back to verse 3. It makes only sense if I do 3 again. If you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands. Verse 4. If, if, then I will. So, so it's, it's interesting, right? The if is our part, the then he'll take care of. But. I will send you seasonal rains. The land will then yield its crops and the trees of the field will produce their fruit. Your threshing season will overlap with the grape harvest and your grape harvest will overlap with the season of planting grain and you will eat your fill and you will live securely in your land. Some of you are like, okay, break that down for me. So if you do these things, if you live in obedience, respond in obedience, I'm going to send you rain and your rain is going to bring forth crops on your field. And your trees are going to begin to produce fruit. You're with me? And then your seasons will overlap with, with different harvests. You're going to have one harvest of grape overlap the other harvest. And it's just going to be so intense. You're going to go through such a moment in your life that you're going to never experience what you've experienced. You're going to go from one harvest to another harvest. Everyone say host. You're going to go from deeper hosting to deeper hosting. Maybe I should do it in a way where you understand me. You're going to go from one set of glory to another set of glory. You're going to go from a glory to a glory, from a harvest that's going to overlap another harvest. So while you're living in yesterday's glory, you're going to be amazed that tomorrow comes a newer glory and, and it overlaps and it's whatever. So he basically says, I'll send rain. And when I send rain, there's going to be growth, he says. But listen to what he says. There's trees and they produce fruit. So trees now begin to what? Produce fruit. They begin, I'm going to say it like this. They begin to operate in what they were intended and called to do. They begin to operate in what they were, I like to use this word, in what they were appointed to do. How many of you know that all of you have been appointed to something? But not, but, but are we operating or have we found the operation of that appointment? So I have this appointment that God's given me in the something that, whatever it is, which I think we, we've got it, right? Mary and Martha and feet of Jesus. And in this, in this response, in this, in this tree of life here, this me of a tree, as I'm operating now and fruitful now, I'm living out to what he's called me to. And then he goes on to talk about harvest that overlap, the next harvest, that overlap the following harvest. So it's a, it's a lifestyle of harvesting and it's a lifestyle what we're calling hosting. Look what he says next. I'm going to explain all this now in a moment. He says this. I'm not sure what verse, but he says it. He says, you will eat your fill in verse 5. You will eat your fill. What does that phrase mean to the Israelites? 
And what does that verse mean to us? You will eat your fill. That verse means this. You will be so satisfied with your land. You will be so satisfied what can be symbolic today, so satisfied in your life. And it says, and you will live securely. He says those two things. Oh, man, I want to take my time on this because I think this is the, basically the foundation of everything else that I'm going to say today. Your threshing season, verse 5, will overlap with the harvest, the grape harvest, and your grape harvest will overlap with your season of planting, and you will eat your fill, and you will live securely. You will eat and live securely. You catching that? You will eat your fill, you will be satisfied in your land, but you will live securely. The word secure there, I looked it up, and guess what it means? I mean, it's common sense. It means fixed. It means you will live securely means you will live attached so firmly that it cannot be moved. You will be so lost in that. It will not be taken away from you is another definition. Does that remind us of Luke chapter 10? Martha, Martha, you're complaining to me because your sister Mary has not got up from my feet and you're serving. But there's one thing, which is the main thing and will never be taken away from her. She found a place of devotion and intimacy and presence of God while Martha missed it because she was so distracted with the lifestyle of just serving. Go back to that verse for a moment. You will begin to enjoy your land. You will begin to be satisfied in your life. You will eat your fill. And then you will be secure. Another definition of secure is, is being loosed. Or to be lost. And I say, well, that's exactly and that's equivalent to the presence of the Lord in our lives. And when you look at rain in the Bible all over through scripture, rain is often related to the presence of God in the scriptures. So when he says, I will send my rain, he's telling us, I'm going to what? I'm going to send my presence. Look how this all makes sense now. And when I send my presence, listen, when I send my rain, now what happens in verse 4 and 5? Life begins to be seen in the land. What happens? Crops grow, trees begin to operate, harvest overlaps harvest, and there's an intake now of satisfaction. And now there is a lifestyle of security, and there is the one thing that is never taken away from us. There is a rain that now causes us to find identification. That's who I was called to be. I was homeless looking around my whole life. But to the place where I got to where God finally rained on me. And now I never want to take out an umbrella again. I never want to stop the rains from touching me. I've learned to live in a lifestyle of God's presence in me and through me. That now everything that was once dead and sleepy and blind can now see, is awake and is alive. I'm used to being dead but I'm going to learn now to live alive again. He's telling that to the Israelites. Why would he tell them that? Because for 400 years, they lived under a preaching of many gods in Egypt. They were enslaved. They were beaten. So what is God trying to tell them now? You're free. You're loosed. Go and be filled. Let your land fill you. Go and be secure. Let it be fixed. You let yourself be fixed on that one thing. We know that that was a struggle for the Israelites. How do you know? Because what did they continue to complain to Moses? Complain to Moses about, oh, Moses, we're better off in Egypt than we are over here. No, you're not. You were delivered physically, but you weren't delivered mentally yet. And that's what, we, whatever, but that's what they were going through. Okay? 
identification is found. Homelessness. People that, that feel that they're homeless. People that feel like they're lost. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Because that's the gift. That now we're found. And we got a place called home. We've been talking about trees in this church. And in last week's podcast, you'll hear it. We talked about a, a vision that came forth with dreams and, 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 and through a dream and visions of trees. And we've been discussing it. But Jesus says in Matthew 7 something very special about this. He says that you identify a tree by its fruits. Just as you can identify someone with their actions. So Jesus is like, uh, people are like trees. They'll be identified with what they give out. I had a meeting uh, this week with, with a brother here, and I said, I said, you know, it, we're going to get to a place when we come into his presence, and we're not saying, Lord, give me, Lord, give me, but we're going to say, Lord, take from me. Lord, take. We're, we're going to get to a place where we're giving more of ourselves to God in presence rather than say, Lord, just give me what I, you know what I mean? So, so we're looking at trees here, and, and, and trees... In Leviticus 26 are the people now that begin to operate in what we're appointed to do and what we're called to operate. And we see people now, like we continue to say, become alive when, when there is an abundant rain. And people now become this alive in this rain which is called presence. And people now begin to eat of their fill, meaning that there's a satisfaction in their life that there was once no satisfaction. How many of you lived a life that you were looking for satisfaction, but as much as you tried to find satisfaction in things that you thought were going to satisfy you at the end of the day? they left you empty and there was no satisfaction that's good because now this preaches to you these are the people now that have no satisfaction but now they find their satisfaction they were once empty and dark and bitter and sinful etc but now they could say what well, I love this land again meaning what I love my life again I'm going to tell you a true story I went to my, my friend's church and I, I got to, I've been getting to know one of the members of that church one of the brothers of that church of that family and I love him. He has a very genuine and a sweet spirit. So whenever I see him, I try to look for him and I talk to this one man, a young man. And I, and I go up to him. And, and this, is a, this is crazy. I, I saw, the last time I saw him, I went up to him and I said, hey, hey, brother, um, how you doing? And he looks at me with a smile. I mean, he's always smiling. And he says, actually, for the first time in my life, I could tell you that I'm doing awesome. Life is amazing. And I said, praise God. I walked away from that conversation. Can I tell you something? I walked away from that conversation and I had no idea what he meant. That's sad. Because I said, how in the world does someone say, how are you doing? He says, actually for the first time I could tell you that everything is awesome. Life is amazing. And I said, I've gone, th I've gone through seasons like that. But how come in my life, it's not constant where I could answer like that. I left so convicted from that statement. When worship started, I promise you, that guy, I should tell him next time I see him what he did to me. I raised up my hands and I raised up my heart and I said, God, I want a confession like my brother. I want that when someone asks me, how is everything going for real in your life? Trying to like find a diagnosis in me. That I could just look at them and say, actually, I'm not even messing with you. Life is awesome. And it can get greater. I mean, I'm just in love with this life. 
I wonder if that's what the Lord was telling the Israelites when he said, you will eat your will. You will, you will eat until you're so satisfied. That, that was once lost and once seasonal. Now, now your life is filled. How about if he meant this? That now you found satisfaction. Listen, that now the search is over. That, that you lived in wandering, but now you live satisfied and filled and you found a joy in a place called wonder of, I'm in awestruck reverence for what God is doing and who God is. That when someone says, how's everything? <laughs> Man, actually everything is so amazing for the first time in my life. What was it? Nothing. My position changed from the kitchen to the feet. My position changed from distracted to worship. My position changed from doing so much to doing the main and one thing that I'm focusing on. And it's living in the power, in the word, and in the presence of God. And if I could get fixed, and I could get loosed, and I could be set free on this, I could answer with everything in my life is actually awesome right now. Because I found the one thing which is actually the most important thing. Important, more important, most important. I feel like I'm all over the place, but that all makes sense. I'm fixed, I'm attached. I can't be moved. I found the one thing that now, everyone say now, will never be taken away from me. Because I've been to a place called loosed, I've been to a place called freed up, and I'm actually in a place called lost. Not that I'm lost, but I'm lost in being found. That is the weirdest thing to try to explain to you right now. But if you've, if you've lived there, you know what it means to say, I'm lost because I'm found. <laughs> I'm, I'm lost because I'm found. <laughs> it's, like, it's like I'm a prisoner because I've been set free. Remember that one? I'm in chains because I'm in prison. No, world are you talking about? I'm a prisoner of Christ, so I found my freedom. <laughs> That's crazy. God has chained me, so now I've, the world is mine. I don't know, that's some crazy. So I'm telling you, it's a whole other dimension of stuff, the Bible. I will send your rains. You will produce fruit. There will be overlapping harvest. You will eat your fill and you will live securely in your land. What is, what is the Lord telling the Israelites? It's a harvest of spiritual awakening. You're going to host something that you never hosted in Egypt. Do you guys know what Egypt means in your life? What does Egypt mean in your life? Good. Slavery. Egypt also means sin. Slavery to sin. So it's hard to host the, it's hard to host what is of God when you're still being enslaved to a pattern of sin. So that's what he's doing with the Israelites. Does it make sense in our lives? You you strip away from sin, and there's a harvest of a spiritual awakening. Let's go to verse 6 because I will continue on that. It says, I will also give you peace in the land, and you will be able to sleep. I love this verse. You will also be able to sleep with what? <sighs> with no cause for fear. How many of you are tired of sleepless nights and fearful nights? I go to bed at night because I don't know about my job. I go to bed at night because I don't know about my family. I go to bed at night. And how many of you toss and turn and look up at the ceiling? Well, God says, I will cause you to fall asleep with no more fear. Mm. I feel like that's a Miami verse. The headache of Miami and the stresses and the what you can. Man. I will rid the land of wild animals. 
and I will keep your enemies out of your land. Pro Proverbs 3.24 says this, when you lie down, you will not be afraid. I like that verse. Because when I lie down, I'm not at a stance of defense or offense. When I lie down, I'm in a stance of anyone could come and attack me at any moment. And I won't be ready to protect myself. But when you understand protector and you understand protected by protector, you understand of laying down and finding rest in your protection. So I no longer have to live defending or offending, but I can live now God fighting and defending for me. And I'll just rest in that. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. Yes, you will lie down. And your, I love this. And your sleep will be what? I don't see anywhere in scripture that he gives us peace. And that it means, and I don't have time to go into all the scripture, but you'll, you'll, you'll remember verses as I go in this. As we talk about peace and sleeping and rest and, and laying down and rest. I don't see anywhere in scripture where he gives us peace and that it means that there will be no more wars. Because mm. sometimes we feel like if there's no more wars, then there's peace in my life. But in scripture, I, I don't see that. Rather, I see this. That he grants victories in battles. That, that it doesn't mean that there's no more battles, but now you're going to learn that there is a victory found already before a battle is even fought. Maybe I could explain it to you this way as I was reading these verses. It's different entering this lifestyle that we're talking about, harvest of spiritual awakening. It's different entering this lifestyle thinking, hey, I'll never have to enter another battle again in my life. Because that's how many Christians think. But in reality, this is what it should sound like. I will never again have to enter this battle alone. I enter it with the one that fights for me and who's never lost one in his life. So now your mindset is what? It's no longer, hey, I'm, I'm a Christian now. God has saved me. There's peace and there's comfort. I'm never going to have a battle in my life. That is so biblically wrong. It's actually now, hey, the next battle I enter, I go with the one who fights for me and he's never last, lost a fight. So good luck for the enemy that tries to fight against me in this one. What does that mean? That it's not now a lifestyle of I got to enter a battle and I got to see what I can do in my battle. But it's I'm going to enter a battle and I'm going to see what he could do in my battle for me. Maybe that made more sense. But, but that's what it should be like in this harvest, in the spiritual awakening. That now your outlook and your attitude towards life changes. And, and because of what we said last week, your shift, your transformation in your altitude of your life now. That you recognize I'm at his feet. I'm at his feet now. And I've learned that. I've learned presence now. I've learned that to wake up and pray and worship. I've learned to get in my car and to be in the word of God. I've learned that in my family. Let the word of God just be mixed up. I've learned that everything about me needs to be about Jesus. Though it's very hard and it's a struggle and I'm not there yet. But man, do we want more of him. Because I've recognized that if I'm living in such a way, wherever I go, he goes because he's with me. So I'm elevated. I'm lifted up. The Bible says that we're elevated. And I'm elevated, so I share in the feet of Jesus. Because Jesus sits high and lifted up, and because I bow down at his feet, I am also high and lifted up with Jesus. 
in my bowing and in my kneeling and in my humility before him of a broken and sinful man that I am, I find myself now at an elevated place. Where is my highest place in life? At my brokenness at his feet, at my emptiness at his feet. Because when I am empty at his feet, then I become filled in his presence. It becomes at his feet the lifestyle of less of me and at his feet it becomes more of him. It becomes subtraction to receive addition from him. It becomes now where he multiplies his goodness in me and takes away, takes away the things in my life, my strengths, my weaknesses. When I'm elevated now, all that is beneath me, listen, has no grand significance at the place of elevation. Why? Because if you've ever been on a flight, you understand exactly what I'm talking about. You think you live in a big world until you get in a plane and you get elevated. You're like, wow, the world is actually very small. No? I feel like that. You go up on a plane and you're like, there's Miami and there's Fort Lauderdale. All in my fingers. Well, at least I think that's Fort Lauderdale. I don't know. That's what they told me. So when you're elevated, things that seem to be 20, 30 with traffic an hour and a half away, when you're elevated, it's the size of the tip of your finger when you're looking at the, at the, the window of a plane. So when you're elevated with Christ, all your problems are smaller. All your weaknesses are smaller. Your battle is smaller, your enemy is smaller, your desires, your own need, your own strengths, and all of your own workings are smaller. And it's learning that, man, I love to be at a place called up because I've experienced a lifestyle called down at his feet. I am at my highest when I am learning to be bowed down at his feet at my lowest. And everything on that elevated place becomes smaller. And what I thought was once a giant, from up here, I could squeeze him with my fingers. You know what I'm talking about. Because right now I'm, I'm elevated for some of you. Who's the biggest guy in this church? My brother right here with the glasses is the biggest guy. Give me your name again. I forgot. I'm so sorry. Ian. I'm going to, you know, I'm sorry to do this to you. Stand up, Ian. Ian's big. Look at this guy. That's a big guy. It's a big guy. Come, come here, Ian. Ian. Just come here, brother. You're going to participate. I'm going to show you how big he is. I mean, anyone's big next to me. But I'm confident in that, so I don't have like, uh, it's a big guy. It's a big guy. What's up, Ian? His hands are even strong. And I appreciate him shaking my hands softly today. But, but this is Ian. I, I believe that Ian could probably smash me. Not in God's name. Not in God's name. But, 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 but if I see you in an alley, I, I'm going to be like, that, that, I'm not getting next to that guy. But wait, stay right there. Stay right there, Ian. Ian, I need you. Ian, stay right there. But you know, when, when we get elevated and we get to, I wish I had a ladder because I, I might have gotten on, up on a ladder today. But as, as the higher that we go, you see, when, when I'm over here, at the place where Ian is at, obviously we all know this whole stuff, you know. Like, I can't tell you, like, you know, it's not going to happen up here. It's, it's, it's not going to happen here. But you all know that as, as we get elevated and we get higher, not what, what seems to be huge. It just because, oh, he's actually not even that big. <laughs> and I'm wondering if that's what David went through. I'm wondering if that's what David went through. Because before Goliath, everyone, sh everyone was shaking. He was the, 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 the greatest warrior. His, his shield alone was like 125 pounds. You couldn't even pick up his shield. That's how powerful Goliath was. Some say he was 7'9". Some say he was 9 feet. I don't care if he's 7'9 or 9 feet. Both are huge to me. 7'9, <laughs> nine, 9 feet, who cares? I fight and have a debate on it. It's still big. But if I stand before a 7'9 or a 9 footer, let's say 9 footer. That's what I believe it was, right? Giant. 
And I stand in front of nine foot. I'm going to probably be shaken up too. And everyone was shaken. Everyone was scared. And everyone, he was in the middle of the field and he was harassing the Israelites. That's what we're talking about today. And, and Saul was even scared. And Saul was known for being an amazing warrior and, and, and killing his thousands. They even made a song about Saul. But then little David comes in and he comes in from the field and he brings food. And, and he sees the Goliath, the giant, just mocking the Israelites. And he says, who is this guy? And I'm wondering that he was at a place of his life because he learned, he learned, he learned what it was. Because we all know about David's heart. And he learned this intimacy place of God. He learned this victory in battles with God. He didn't even have to come and boast about lions and bears, really. He didn't have to do none of that. But he learned such a private place in the presence of God, being out there alone with his sheep, being a shepherd, that when he comes before such a giant, David finally is at a place and has an, at an appointment from God where he could finally say, here it is, David. Here's what I've been preparing you for all, all the time at my feet. And now it stands before you. So now when David sees the giant, he doesn't see the giant like the Israelites see them. He sees the giant because of his time in the presence of God, the way God sees him. I want to live a life that I see giants in my life, not the way the old regal used to see them, that I used to shake in my boots and I used to cry and ask my wife. I used to curl up like a baby in my bed and cry. She would say, well, what's wrong with you? But I want to get to a place now where I see giants and I look at them not the way my flesh sees them and not the way that the world sees them, even though he's gentle and he's awesome and this guy's a Greek man. But, <laughs> but that I could see them the way God sees them and say, this man, this uncircumcised Philistine will not defile, not defile the children of God. Amen. Amen. Everyone give Ian a hand. So, so think, about, think about this. Think about this. Think about this. The enemy, who's not Ian, but the enemy, okay, guys, guys. The wild animals, verse 6, the wild animals, they, I will keep them out of your land. The wild animals, listen to this. The, the enemy now who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and, and all forms of what the enemy can be. The enemy is not just Satan. The enemy is not just a demonic. The enemy could, could be, man, so many other things that you could just probably name some of them. And in verse 6, he says, I'm going to rid the land of all your enemies. See, the wild animals to the Israelites, they know what that means. To the farmer, they know what that means. To the harvest, they know what that means. I won't be able to reap a harvest if wild animals have taken advantage of my land. So I need to protect my crop and my land from the enemies. And I love what Jesus says in one of his parables in Luke 8. If you're taking notes, I don't have time to take my time on it, but verses 5 through 8. He says this, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside. It was trampled down. The birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on the rock. It sprang up. It withered away and became lacked of moisture. And some fell among thorns. And the thorns sprang it up and they choked it. But others fell on good ground. And it sprang up and yielded a crop a hundredfold. So each one is a form of enemy. But the one, the one that lands on good ground, it springs up. And it was awakened and it was produced. And I believe that the enemy in our lives or enemies of our lives don't want us to enter a lifestyle of a spiritual awakening. A harvest of a spiritual awakening. It wants to what? According to Jesus in Luke. It wants to trample. It wants to devour. It wants to wither. And it wants to choke us. How many of you have tried to go on in the obedience of God but you felt choked before? Trampled before? Devoured before? Amen. You're at a good place. The enemy does not want that. So instead now, what a blessing, right? This lifestyle. He's calling us to enter. He's calling the Israelites to enter, though they walked away from it. But us, we embrace it. The spiritual awakening and that we'd enjoy the rains over our lives again and his presence. Stop complaining that it's raining. 
and start enjoying that it's raining. I hate that it's raining outside. No. Go outside and get wet for a little while. It'll be fun. And I want that in these services. I want this in our gatherings. That when we come in like, oh my goodness, it's raining in the warehouse again. Good. Put your umbrellas outside. This is the one place where we want you to live soaked and wet in the presence of God. Embrace the rain. Embrace the spiritual awakening. Verse 7 is the verse that I've been dying to get to. He says, in fact, you're going to chase down your enemies. And you're going to slaughter them with your swords. And he says, five of you will what? Will chase what? One hundred. And a hundred of you will chase what? Ten thousand. And all of your enemies will fall beneath your sword. Listen to this. That my purpose now in running changes. I'm going from a place to running from to running to. I'm no longer running from enemies and fear. But now I'm running to something. Yes, we're called to run to one. You know the only thing the Bible really teaches us to run from is, is what? Flee from what? From sin and from temptation. So we're running from temptation and from evil. But we're running to victory found in presence. And, and my private personal intimacy now becomes contagious. And it gives evidence of a greater and a better truth. I'm running to him. Listen to this. My chasing or the running of a few now moves others to be chasers as well. Go back to verse 8, 7, sorry, 7 and 8. Five of you, how many? Will chase what? Good, 100. And the 100 of you now will what? From glory to glory. It starts with five chasing 100, but then out of nowhere, it becomes 100 of you now chasing 10,000. And all enemies now fall beneath your feet. So my chasing and my running of just a few, what might seem like five, it now moves others around us to be chasers as well. Five chase a hundred and a hundred now chase 10,000. So what does that mean? What is God's call in my life? I'm going to keep chasing and some of us will eventually get it and we're going to start running together and then our numbers of runners will change in this race. And when there was once only five seeking the deeper places of God, now there's a hundred and now we're not attacking a hundred things. We're attacking a thousand things for the kingdom of God why because in the presence of God we became chasers of God I'm in his presence so I run deeper in it huh I'm in his presence so I run deeper in it I become a chaser and as I chase maybe just with five today that number is going to change if you continue to come and it's going to become a hundred and it's going to become 200 and it's going to flow into everyone we do life with because when the presence of God fills your life, how many of you could testify that it becomes contagious? And someone says, what is it that you have? Where is it that you go? What is it that you're saying? Because I need that in my life. They saw that you were a runner. And you weren't running to the things that they were running to. You were running from those things. Because now your reason of running has changed. And you run to something that they don't even have the understanding of yet. Where is it that you're running to? I will look favorably, favorably, verse 9, upon you, making you fertile and multiplying your people. And I will fulfill my covenant. I will multiply your people. I'm telling you, the running changes. The chase now intensifies. Not because we're chasing 
because what we're chasing changes, but, but because who we're chasing with changes. And it's grown us together. So you hear what was once footsteps turned now into a stampede of an army that is now running to God. I, I want to do something in our, in our families and I, wanna, I want something to happen in our own workplaces and I want something to happen in our own circles of influence. I want that when we walk into a room, there's a sound, not of just footsteps, but a stampede. And it's not because there's just one that is running, but that in this house, there is an army that is running into the presence of God. And it's all during a time when the culture around us has never ran so fast and hard away from God. And we're said, we're different. We run to God while everyone else runs away. What's that noise? It's the runners, they're here. The ones who chase God. And there's a rumbling and the people are talking about it. And it's all because, verse 9, he's looking favorably. He's looking favorably upon me. And he's making me fertile. And he's multiplying our people. And he fulfills his covenant with us. How many of you could say amen? Look at verse 10, 11, and 12 for a moment. Verse 10 says, you will have such a surplus of crops that you will need to clear out the old grain. Praise God for this. To make room for the new harvest. Everyone say old. Everyone say out. All over scripture, I don't, I'll just quote you some chapters and, and some books. Isaiah 43, Isaiah 65, Ephesians 2 and 4, in Hebrews 8, in 2 Corinthians 5, in Revelation 21, and there's many more. They all teach us that behold, all things become new and all the old things pass away in Jesus. Every single one of you who is in Jesus and every single one of you who someone has harmed you who is now in Jesus, the old is gone. And the Bible says the new is here. The new and all old things have passed away. So what does this mean? He's calling the Israelites like he was that day, us today. Don't be set on the old things, but be set on the new and better things that God has for you. How many of you can say amen? So what happens in the better things that God has for us? What happens in this new harvest that he has for us in verse 10 as he says, there is a surplus, there is a new harvest. What happens? Everyone look at verse 11, 12, and 13 and what a perfect place to end. In the new harvest, this is the promise. Verse 11. Once you get there, just stand up. If it comes up on the screen, stand up with me. And I want us to follow along and read this together in verse 11, 12, and 13. Here's the promise of God in our walk of obedience towards him. He says, I will live among you and I will not despise you. I will walk among you and I will be your God and you will be my people. I receive that from my life, Lord. Verse 13, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of slavery of sin. So that you will no longer be what? The slaves of that sin. I broke the yoke of slavery from your neck. Come on homelessness. I've broke homelessness from your neck. So that now you can walk with your heads held high. So, so I go back to verse 10. 
And he says, verses 1 through 9, if you just understand this, church, there's going to be such a surplus, such an abundance, that you're going to have to understand the, the teaching of out with the old and, and live with the newer glory and the newer things and the new grain that I, wanna, I want you to make room for this in this new harvest. I believe that in our church we're entering a new harvest. And I believe it's exactly what we're saying. It's a harvest of spiritual awakening. And if you're going to dare to enter into a harvest called spiritual awakening, you're going to have to make room for the new things in your life. If you're going to enter this, you need to get uncomfortable and say, the things in my life that I hold on to that shouldn't be there no more, that's the old me. I got to get rid of it now if I'm going to let the reins of God to produce the fruit in me. There's a new harvest over this church. But I have to respond. I have to be obedient. I need to make room. And if I make room, if I make room for this harvest, there's a promise and he says, I'm going to live among you and I want God to live among us. I will not despise you. Can... Many will come to me on that day, Jesus says, and say, Lord, Lord, we casted out demons in your name. We did this, this, and that in your name. And the Lord will look at them in the New Testament and he says, I never knew you workers of iniquity. But he says, with you it's different if you if you receive a, a spiritual awakening a, a harvest of this lifestyle I'm going to live within you and on the day that you stand before me in my throne I'm not going to despise you I'm going to walk among you actually and I'm going to be your God and you're going to be my people I'm the one who brought you out of slavery. I'm the one who's brought you out of sin. And you're no longer going to go back and think and want to live in that bondage anymore. I broke the yoke of slavery. I broke the yoke of bondage on your neck. I made you free. Welcome home. Stop living in the desert. Welcome home. Stop living in wandering. Live in wonder. Welcome home. Stop living in bitterness. Live in peace. Stop quarreling and fighting and jealousy and hurt. Stop living in the way that the world lives. You are in Christ. Elevate yourself at the place of his feet. Bow down today so he can elevate you. Make room and let the rain begin to produce crop. I can't enter another season. I'm done with entering seasons. How many of you said, oh my God, it's Christmas again. I want to get to the place that who cares whether it's Christmas again and whether it's Thanksgiving again or whether it's the new year again. We are on a constant season and it's a constant life that it doesn't matter what the culture around us says. I don't even care anymore what laws they pass or what president so-and-so says or doesn't say. I know that I'm living for a kingdom. I'm living under a reign. I'm living. I got to make room. I got to be that person once and for all. I can't live like that anymore. It doesn't satisfy. It causes me to be curled up like a curled up like a baby and weep because I'm in control of my own life. I am done with the old. I want the new. I want the new harvest. I want the new rain in my life. Israelites, I'm sorry you missed it. Israelites, I'm sorry you missed it back then. But I'm not going to miss it anymore. 
I don't want to wander in a wilderness. Wander in a wilderness anymore. How many of you are Christians, but you're wandering in a wilderness? Come on. Get into the promised land. Welcome home. Stop living in homelessness. Welcome home. You're, the Israelites meant were meant to go to the promised land. They were always meant to go to the promised land. Go to the, get to the promised land. There is milk and there is honey and there are fig trees over there that you're going to water out of your mouth. Get to the promised land. What do I do? What do I do? Stop bowing down to those other things and bow down to the one thing which is the most important thing. And there, man, come on. Be obedient. Be awake. Aware. Respond to the call of obedience. There is a new season and the new season is actually a permanent lifestyle. It's a forever thing. We went into a whole season of um. I forgot the title of our of our series we did on heaven. Oh my God, I just went blank. Okay, we did a season on heaven, a uh, series. What was it called? Paradise. I forgot. But but we went on paradise. But how many of us left paradise? But I have something better to say. We went to paradise. But how many uh, of us paradise left us? How many of you want to get to a place where you could say, I'm going to get to a land where his kingdom lives in me. Where his paradise lives in me. I want to live in a place where now he lives among me. Where he is my God. Where God dwelling in me and among me. Where there is home. Remember that? Where there is rest and God in me. And pot taught in Galatians 6, there was a principle that he taught to the church of Galatia that he was actually referring to Leviticus 26. And he says this in verse 7, 8, 9, and 10 of Galatians 6. Paul in the New Testament, and he was thinking about Leviticus 26 when he was preaching this. I could almost imagine. He says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. And those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature, you're only going to harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. You see that, Israelites? But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. Because at just the right time, we're going to reap a harvest of blessing if you don't give up. Come on, how many of you feel like, yeah, 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 that's where we're at today. It's reaping a harvest today of a spiritual awakening. And I won't give up. Verse 10. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone. Especially in those in the family of faith. Get into this family get into this church get get into what God is calling you to now God cannot be mocked what are you planting in your life what does the field look like what do the trees look like come on right there as you close your eyes as we close we're, we're done but but right when we end here now today come on what 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 does your field look like are the trees withered are the animals perishing because they can't eat no more of the fruit Lord, Lord, I want our, our field to, to produce. I want it to become alive again.
How many of you say, I'm tired of my field looking dry? I'm going to enter into this harvest that you're saying, Pastor, a spiritual awakening. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, I want to get to a place. I want to make that confession today. I want to get to a place where, where I allow his reign. Where I allow his reign. A reign to, to captivate me. A harvest of a spiritual awakening. As we close off with every eye closed, does it matter? Guys, this is what it's all about right here. The most important thing. How many of you are saying, I want to be a chaser. I want to be a runner to him. A runner towards him. I want to, I want to be elevated because I'm want to bow down today at his feet I how many of you can say I I want to I want to be home I no longer want to be homeless right there where you're at if that's you right there where you're at say Lord you know my heart and, and right there just raise your hand and say I'm gonna I'm gonna accept this call to say I'm coming home if that's you just raise your hand and make that confession and and if you're good and you're at a place called home there's a lot of hands raised if your hands are not raised, come on, start praying right now in the spirit. There's a lot of hands that are raised in this place that they're making that confession today. There's, there's something in you that should be burdened for them. Come on, begin to pray. Maybe you're, maybe you're standing right next to someone with their hand raised. Maybe this is a good opportunity to put your hand around them and to begin to confess something into their life. Maybe right now you can start to pray, welcome home over them. So if you're around someone with a hand raised and, and you're home, you're at a good place, maybe this is a good moment right now just to pray over someone and say, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna pray for you right now. I'm gonna ask for his blessings over your life. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask that, that God just reigns over you right now. Come on, I, I believe that today, right now, in this supernatural right now, in a, in a world that maybe our eyes can't see, you're going to enter into a place of wandering and you're going to get to a place where you're at his feet and just you're an awestruck wonder of his glory. Where you're at a place where you're no longer thinking about how can I sin, but you're at a place where you're thinking about how can I give glory? How can I give thanks today? Lord, I want everyone whose hands are raised here for their first thoughts throughout the day be, Lord, allow me to glorify you today. Lord, allow me to please you today. With every hand that's raised here today, Lord God, that they would find a place called home, Lord God. That they would not wander in the wilderness anymore, Lord God. That they would not be dry lands anymore, Lord. But that you would reign in abundance over them. And that the trees, that their life would begin to operate in what they were called to operate in. And that you would begin to produce fruit in every life whose hands is risen. That they would say, I don't know what happened to me on that 10th of December, but something supernatural happened. I pray, Lord God, that that your spiritual reigns right now would fall on them and consume them Lord God that they would never live the life in the kitchen that they would never live distracted anymore that they would never live in bondage to sin enslaved to sin but that they would live now bound to the freedom that is found in you chained up to the glory that is found in Christ oh God Lord I pray that right now that they would be found I pray right now that you would hug them and kiss them and let them feel the most holy place Lord God Lord let them get to a place right now where they bow on their feet to their 
to their knees at your feet and there find a place of elevation there find a place of lifted up there find a place where enemies become small there where hardships become small where weaknesses become small that Lord where their troubles become small that they no longer have to live a life of wow I don't know if I could fight another battle but they got the revelation today that they were never called to fight a battle on their own that now they could walk into every battle saying wow I'm going to fight this battle alongside with you and I'm going to see you bring the victory I'm going to see God bring the victory I'm going to see him command the land into my hands Lord go go and take over I, I want to be at a place Lord God that Lord you hear me and I hear you Lord God that we're thinking the same thoughts and saying the same words Lord God I want that when I walk into the room the presence of God is there that when there is darkness I walk in and light is found because there's a glory that permeates through our lives oh God I pray Lord God that there would be fountains fountains of river of living waters deep in us Lord God I pray for the dryness to to be no more I pray for fountains fountains deep deep within every single one of us Lord God I pray no longer for seasonal living but I pray for a lifestyle of celebration for a lifestyle of presence Lord God come on Lord I pray that you would do Lord God the, the greatest thing you could do let the lost be found let the blind see again Lord God Lord I pray for miracles Lord God I pray I pray for things to happen that man has no power and has no medicine to do but that you will cause it in lives here today Lord come on I pray for them I wish you would all pray with me Lord I pray for them today I pray for them today Lord deliverance over the one that needs to be delivered right now set them free Lord God I feel it in this room today Lord let there be a wave of deliverance in this place freedom in this place but yet imprisoned again in you Come on, Lord, let there be liberty in this place again. Bring back our tears again. Let the hardened heart cry again. Come on. Let men learn how to cry again before, before their children and before their spouses. Oh, let the women who, who are carrying so much burden begin to cry again. Let there be tears of joy begin to be released in this place. Come on, Lord. We want people to start crying again in your presence release tears release release tears today freedom in this place come on whatever is deep inside of you you need to let it go before God release it Lord I, I receive a harvest of a spiritual awakening in my life no more idolatry I release release it in my life come on begin to proclaim that you got to proclaim it for yourself Come on, let's sit on this for a little while.